What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back. Another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Back-to-back in shows this week. Uh, spoiler alert for maybe the future. Uh, but today, Wednesday... Our normal Wednesday show last night, we talked about the Packers and Chargers and previewed our matchup with the Lions tomorrow on Thanksgiving. So if you are interested in hearing us talk about the Packers, we did that yesterday. Uh, Today, we got some more football to talk about, and then we got a whole bunch of basketball. What we can say for certain is that we went 8-0 over the weekend, undefeated since last Wednesday. The basketball team won two games. Badger football won, the Packers won, the Bucks won four games. Everybody won all of their games. So this show, it gets to be a little bit more fun than last week. You know, winning is more fun, but uh, I will say losing is where the character is built, but winning is always more fun. And I went 2-0 and in fantasy, baby, so I'm a personal 10-0. and Let's hey. go. Let's Ooh. go. There you go. Also there went 2-0, and, and I won fantasy basketball. I lost my first fantasy basketball, but fuck <laughs> it. I don't care. Suck <laughs> it. I got to I got to I one up you in one way. I was one and one in basketball in real life on the weekend though, so I had one loss. Hey, you still balled out, man. That's what we do. Yeah, that's true. All right. So we're gonna start with Badger football, like we usually do. Uh Mike has our offensive power pair player. Yeah, so start this off. We got Mr. Will Pauling. Um Got, guy's having an incredible year. Uh, clearly, he's been the go-to guy for us. I think the biggest stat out of all this, yes, he had eight catches for 79 yards uh, this last game. He is third on. He has 25 catches on third down specifically this season, which is most in the Big Ten. That was the one big call out I wanted to throw out on this because um, obviously a big yeah. Um, he has 64 catches total this season, which is tied for fifth in school history. And he's got two more games to, you know, get a few. Yeah, I know. Right. And he's got hmm. two more games to, um, you know, get close. I think I want to say, I wish I had all the guys. I want to say the leader was, I think Alex Erickson was in there. Aber Darris was in there. I Nick two might've been in there. in there. Yeah. Dang it. I wish I had, I wish I had the four other four other guys or whatever but no he's going to be right up there with uh um receptions for in a single season when all said and done i think so um hopefully he's healthy obviously going in this weekend we're going to talk about that but um will pauling's putting him putting together a very nice year for us uh defense went with preston zackman i tweeted this out actually on saturday right after the game that preston zackman might have been one of the most underrated players on the team this this season and Preston Zachman and his mom liked the tweet, so that was cool. Uh, just one of those things that's like when it happens, it's cool. Uh, Preston Zachman, in the absence of Hunter Wohler, had five tackles, a tackle for loss, and the game-winning interception. And then Jake got to pick our underrated performer this week. This was tough. This was really tough for me. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I didn't go offense. I uh, wasn't super impressed with the offense, but I'll get more into that later. So for defense, I did go with our guy CJ Getz. Uh, I feel like he was he was underrated. Um, the run defense wasn't great, but I think that he made his presence felt. Um, <clears throat> CJ Getz had three total tackles, three solo tackles, and two tackles for loss. So you know, any he made an impact with those tackles for loss, even though the run defense wasn't the best. Uh, I will say that the chunk plays were the reason that the run game was 
pretty good, in my opinion, for Nebraska. So uh, if they could figure that out, they'll be great. But CJ Getz, let's keep doing you, man. All right, so we're going to start with the offense. Mike, what did you notice on the offense that improved? We kind of uh, talked about this the last couple of weeks as like overall the team is kind of struggling. We were looking for like those young guys that wanted to, that are going to step up, that are going to be the next dudes up, right? So uh, this past weekend we saw Jackson Aker. Uh, we got to remember he's only a sophomore, I believe. He had a big touchdown for us. Um, Tanner threw a nice ball to him. He had eight carries, 32 yards as well. So that's a good call out. Vinny Anthony had a very good game, I thought. Um, offensively, he didn't do much, but he had one crucial catch in that o- in overtime that was behind that was thrown behind him too in a third and eight or third and nine. It was one or the other. Uh, so that was a big time catch, especially after Pauling got hurt. Uh, we needed somebody else to uh, to step up a little bit, and Vinny Anthony did it overtime. And then Quincy Burroughs got his his first real action, I would say, of the season. Guy had two catches, 15 yards. The staff is very high on him, too, to my understanding as well. So I think he's going to be a big name to look out for as we go in, probably into the bowl game and into next season. Oh, interesting. Jake, what did you see that improved? So I think the balance improved. Um, I like that they, they stuck to their guns with the run, although, you know, it wasn't uh, the most successful. I mean, the yardage is a little bit lying, in my opinion. Mordecai had a nice game rushing the ball, 9 for 51. He had a five, 5.7 yard average. Uh, Allen had 22 carries for 62 yards and two touchdowns. And I specifically remember looking over at you, Tyler, after we got done with the herd game. Thank you, Nick, by the way. Um, and we finished watching the Badger game together before we had to rewatch it. Um, and we, we saw his stats, and I'm just like, wow, man, he is earning every yeah. single inch. Grinding. My God. Um, Aker, 8 for 32, as uh, mentioned before, Pauling at one carry for 11 yards. And then the passing. Pauling, eight catches. Aker, a catch. Bell, two catches. Burrow, two catches. Ashcraft, two catches. Vinny Anthony, a catch. And DK, a catch. So they had 28 pass attempts, 40 rush attempts. I would like to see it a little bit more like 35, 35-ish. Like, I would like it a little bit more even. But 40 and 28 in a game like this, I'm okay with it. So for me, I went something outside of the field, and I went with Luke Fickle's aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. And it starts with seeing, as as a lot of things do that we talk about, is social media. And people saying that Luke Fickle looks lost on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? What the f- Like, can people just not even have a calm face anymore without somebody complaining? Like, you literally can't be on the sideline looking calm without somebody complaining. Yep. That's that's where we're at. Fuck's sake. Okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, and if he was screaming, people would be like, well, he doesn't know what's going on. He's in over his head. Yeah. Well, there's or, no winning. I, or he's I lost the he's locker locked. room and he has to constantly scream at people. Right. I think he's locked in. I mean, yeah. he's true. I think it's more about the focus is what it comes down to. I agree. Um, let's see if Mike loads back up here. Um, we'll see as far as Fickle is concerned. And one of the other things that I wanted to throw out there was that, and I, I met, mentioned it already, that he's lost the locker room, quote unquote, lost the locker room. 
if you watch him talk to the locker room after the game, all of those guys love Fickle. Yeah. So just that outside of the game, but in the game, in overtime, Badgers are fourth and one in overtime at the Nebraska five-yard line, and the Badgers go for it. That's That takes stones. That's playing to win. Uh, instead of taking points, you're, you know, you're playing to win. So either, one, you kick the field goal. Two, you go for it and don't get it, and then a field goal wins it for Nebraska. Or you go for it, get it, and score a touchdown, which they did, and then Nebraska needs a touchdown to have a chance to tie and then go to another overtime. Mm-hmm. And the Badgers played to win. So that was my thing that improved for the Badgers' offense despite the fact that the Badgers were 0 for 2 on fourth downs at that point. Man, and, and what, what did I tell you about that call? Before before they even got, what did I tell you about that call? I'll let you say it because it was I agree with you on it. So I'm going to let you said, try on that. You know, what, what, he, he made the call, and I looked over at you, and we both had, like, the same feeling, mm-hmm. I feel like. Like, we didn't have to say it, but we felt it. It was, this is a program-altering call. This is either going to be very good or very bad. And in the terms of picking it up and then the way that they scored the touchdown, yeah. you want to talk about – I'm getting goosebumps, man, because I'm feeling it right now. But, like, you want to talk about setting a tone? Like, dead serious, dude. Go for it on fourth down after the last two weeks you just had, after this, how this game started, you pick it up and you grind out a touchdown to win a big-time game. That, you know, maybe on the stat sheet when you're looking at the records, it doesn't look like a big thing. But this is building block shit, dude. That was a massive call. And I love your improved. I love that. That was a great yeah. call. Yeah, definitely a good call um, to go for it. Not not me patting myself on the back. That's not what I was going for. Um, <laughs> all right. Looks like Mike is back. So we'll go back to Mike if he's back. Um, yeah. There he is. All right. So... Next, uh, Mike, what did you see on the offensive side of the ball that needs to improve? So I actually went rushing offense on this. I mean, you guys kind of touched base with Braylon. You know, you look at 22 carries, 60 yards. He earned every single yard, uh, hands down. So we're it was it was kind of rough. I still think our offensive line could not establish the line of scrimmage uh, too too well because there's a lot of short short yarded situations in which the line just got absolutely. All right. So he didn't like the run game. (laughs) Yeah. So the run game can get better. And I think it's almost like a yards per carry standpoint, whereas we did know this coming in that Nebraska was pretty good against the run. Not that, not that I'm saying that Mike's point is invalid or anything, but I am just saying, you know, looking at it from the other perspective, which we like to do. Nebraska is a very good running defense. Yeah. Agreed. So, um, oh, oh all right. is he? Is he? Am I? Is he back? All right. Yeah. If, if it doesn't work this time, you're fired. <laughs> there you, oh, hey, hey, hey. Just kick, just kick me out. Not a big deal. I don't know how much you guys heard, but I went rushing off. I did the running offense uh, this past week. I mean, Braylon Allen got, like you said earlier, Braylon Allen got every yard, like 22 carries, 62 yards. He earned every single yard he could get. We had we still had a handful of short yarded situations where we got stuffed quite a bit, 
And I just don't think we really established the line of scrimmage that well overall in the grand scheme of things. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just have it like overall, even this year, there hasn't really been too many games where we have done that, I think. So that's something that we're going to need to work on, especially going into the off season and next year as well. Um, And I do think Tanner Mordecai too, like you're looking at this overall, right? Like nine carries, 51 yards yards for Tanner. I think he bailed this out quite a bit himself with his legs, I think as well. So 40 and 40 carries, 156 yards overall, 3.9 per carry. So that definitely needs a little bit of work. And I mentioned this while we were waiting for you to come back. Nebraska has a good run defense. Like we knew that coming in. So they do. Um, Oh yeah. If if the Badgers were to do that again against Minnesota, then I'd maybe have a little more cause for concern. But uh, respect to Nebraska; they're good against the run. Mm-hmm. All right, Jake. What do you think needs to improve on the offensive side of the ball? So, kind of contradicting myself, but just hold on a sec. I said <laughs> I like that the balance improved, right? And then to improve, getting more involved. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, so, in terms of rushing, we had four players that ran the ball, right, for forty carries total. Uh, that includes Mordecai, who had nine of those. Um, and then when you get to the pass catching, seven players caught a pass. Love that. I love that number. That is a fantastic number. Yep. But when you look at the context of the situation, five of the seven people that caught a pass had two or fewer. Two people had two. Three people had one. So it's like, for me, and this is nothing against Will Pauling. Love Will Pauling. Guy's going to be a tremendous college player. And to be honest with you, I could see him getting out in the NFL and having a pretty decent career in the NFL. He's got speed. Um, yeah, he's got speed, and he just – it feels like he has the feel. You know what I mean? Like he has the feel for the position of the slot receiver. Um, if he shures up the hands, that'll definitely help him out a little bit. Um, but, you know, I would like to get Skylar Bell more than two catches, and I know that he plays the slot as well. Um, he's a big play guy, in my opinion. So he, he can make splash plays. Uh, Jackson Aker had a big catch, touchdown catch, as Mike talked about. I would love to get Burroughs more involved. That guy looks like he has talent. I know Mike talked about him already. The coaching staff is big on him. I'm pretty big on him, too. I think that he has potential. I would love to get Ashcraft more involved. I know that's your guy, Tyler. The tight end position can absolutely transform an offense. Having a good tight end in the NFL or college football makes all the world's difference. A big guy like that can just be a mismatch. So I would love it. TK had one catch. Technically, he's one of the three guys that had one catch. Hit zero yards. Yeah. But what, what impact is that? You know what I mean? So I would like – and this – I'm kind of picking on Mordecai. I'm not going to lie to you. He needs to be more decisive with the football. Every time he throws the damn ball, it looks like he's winding up to throw it 80 yards. <laughs> what is he doing? Bro, just grab the damn thing and throw it. <laughs> uh, I know it's, it's harder than that. Um, but I would just like to get more people involved on a consistency basis, you know, more yards, more catches, um, nothing against Will Pauling, like I said, but obviously we'd have to throw more than 28 times for that to happen. So Jake kind of covered what I was going to do. Um, my thing to improve was the wide receivers. I had it written down that Will Pauling has complete ownership of Wisconsin's wide receiving room. He does. Not that that's a bad thing, but like Jake said, other guys got to get it together if they want to get the ball. Now, you mentioned Skylar Bell. He's one that I talked about last week with Hunter Wohler's comments about we're going to find people's give-a-shit factor this week. And I, I this is purely speculation on my part that I felt that Skylar Bell was maybe one of those guys. 
mm-hmm. and hence seeing Vinny Anthony more over the last few weeks. Mm. Yeah, I could so see that's that. kind of where I was at with that. Um, and then you mentioned uh, Will Pauling was the only one, um, and then um, no other wide receiver had more than um, two catches, and Jackson Aker had three targets. Yep. So wide receivers was my thing to improve, and it does hurt, obviously, not having Bryson Green available. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So going to the defensive side of the ball, Mike, what did you see that improved? Uh, just respond. Just how we responded uh, when Hunter Wohler went out specifically. He's the dude that is the catalyst of this defense. Um, you, you know, it's star. just after what we've been, been. Yeah, we've been through the last two weeks. Um, it, there's no question that dude's the star of this defense. I'm still praying to God that he comes back for one more year. See, like with him and maybe a couple other key returnees as well. Um, but no. The fact with how they, you know, responded with him being out 94 total yards in the second half, which is great. Um, you know, one of six on third down forced two, three and outs. And it, I mean, they were only on the field for 23 plays, Nebraska. So you can't really ask for much more, uh, you know, when your star defensive player is out on the grand scheme of things. And I mean, the response to him being out, I did not expect it to go that way. I uh, wasn't. Na- I I thought we were screwed, so to speak. But no, it was a sure. great response. And uh, no, looking, yeah, it was great. It was good to see the other guys step up. Yeah, saying Hunter Wooler is the star, like he's the star on the field, and he's like the star in the sense of a star player. He's yeah. he's really the engine of the defense, and he's a leader on the field as well. Yeah. Uh, Jake, what did you see that improved on the defense? So. I picked poise, and I looked up the definition of poise in the dictionary. Poise used as a verb. Be or cause to be balanced or suspended. And the Badgers showed great poise in this game. They could have literally just given up after giving up back-to-back 70-plus yard touchdown drives, right? First drive, six plays, 75 yards. Took Nebraska three minutes, 27 seconds, 55-yard touchdown run by Chubba Purdy. That hurts. Right? Yep. The Badgers responded yeah. by gaining eight yards. That also hurts. Next drive, six plays, 76 yards, three minutes, 35 seconds. Purdy threw a 58-yard touchdown pass on a second and 20 to Jalen Lloyd. The Badgers responded by getting four yards. At that point, it's looking real ugly. But you know what? We found out their give-a-shit factor. I'll tell you that. We, we found that out because after that, Downs, Punt, missed field goal to end the first half. Punt, 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 field goal. Damn. 68 of their second half yards came on that field goal drive. Other than that, 8, 16, 1, negative 3. You want to talk about a goddamn give a shit? You want to talk about heart? You want to talk about grit factory? Damn. We found it out, and I love it. That's great poise. I should have busted that hat on Damn. Yeah, I should have gone before you. Um, I went with something a little simpler. I went with third downs. So Nebraska was just 5 of 13. That's 38.5%. That's pretty low. Looking at their last three games against Northwestern, Indiana, and Ohio State, they had given up 23 out of 46 third downs. That is even 50%. Holy. Wow. Yeah. 
was a little rough. Northwestern was 11 of 17. Yeah. Indiana was 6 of 16. And Ohio State was 6 of 13. Jesus. So Badgers uh, Badgers improved that 11.5%, which is great to see. Um, Mike, what did you see on the defensive side of the ball that needs to get better? This is kind of trickling from the offensive side of the ball, but man, we our slow starts gotta gotta improve, man. I mean, 14 points just in the first quarter last week against Nebraska, 24 in the first half versus Northwestern, 17 in the first half versus Indiana. These are the bottom tier teams. We cannot allow this to happen. I know we only got one regular season game left. But we're definitely going to need this all hands on deck defensively this Saturday, especially if we're going to have guys like potentially like Wohler, if he's going to be out. I mean, we don't know Braylon Allen's status. I mean, he could be hurt for all we know with he was Bryson. wasn't even 100 percent. Bryce Green. Green. Yep. So we're going to need the defensive side of all the step step up once again. And we cannot like the slow starts got to go. We got with the axe on the line, men, all hands on deck. CJ Getz even said himself one of the reasons he came, the main reason why he came back was for this game specifically. So I'm looking forward to see. And we're damn it, we're I'm, I'm gonna say that for predictions too, but yeah, um, hold it down, hold it down. We're I hold, we're I hold it down. But the slow start, but the slow starts, um, that that's we got to clean that shit up. All right. Uh, we're almost to the preview. So, Jake, what do you what did you see that needs to improve on defense? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I'm really excited to talk about this game, man. This week is so setting close. up to be. We got you so and me, then we're, then you and me, and then we're there. <sighs> yeah. Okay, I went with rush defense. Um, obviously, the 58 yarder kind of skews the numbers, right? Yeah. But you know, there was some bad angles, some bad tackle attempts on that run. Um, they gave up, you know, the quarterback Chuba uh, Purdy had 14 for 105. 13 for 50 for the running back, 12 for 45 for the backup running back, and one for negative five. They gave up 40 carries for 195 yards and a touchdown. That is how you end up down 14 to zero and have to scratch and claw your way back. You know, point blank period. You know, I'm sick and tired of talking about rush defense being bad. You see somebody hit somebody, man. I mean, Jesus Christ. What are we doing here? I will say I'm actually really excited about a Christian Allegro. There was a couple of times when he was just when he chased down Chuba Purdy from like probably preventing from gaining a lot more yardage. I want to say there was two or three different occurrences when all he did he didn't necessarily make a tackle, but he made him run out out of bounds. So I think uh, he he's a player that to watch. I think going going forward, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he got more PT this weekend and even in the bowl game. I think he's going to have a pretty big impact in, on two. So. I'm interested, yeah, definitely excited for I'm interested to see what bowl game they're going to put us in. Yeah. I have a feeling we would end up in a bowl game on like December 30th. Yeah. Something like that. Makes sense. I mean, I'll take it though. I mean, it's a Saturday, so. True. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, the last thing that I have is defending mobile quarterbacks. I mean, it's been mentioned already. It was not the sixth play of the game that Nebraska ripped off a 55-yard rushing touchdown from the quarterback. And this was the third straight game that the Badgers allowed a rushing touchdown by the opposing quarterback. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little more when it's a consistent thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's my thing to improve. Thankfully, Minnesota's offense is not built on a running quarterback. Kaliak Manis is not, is not that guy. Yeah, thank God. Um, no. So, Jake, I'll let you go first. 
Uh, what are you looking for from the Badgers offense against Minnesota on Saturday? All right, here we go. So Minnesota has 23 sacks on the year. Uh, that's not a lot, so we really don't have to worry about that. Hopefully the offensive line can can uh, hold up there. Their leading tacklers list is littered with DBs all over the field. So that's not good for your running defense. No. Uh, no. For me, I'm hoping that means that the O-line is going to be able to dominate and get the running backs to the second and third level consistently. Um, and like I said before, I want Tanner to make quicker decisions. You see a guy open, man, just let it rip. I mean, honestly, stop second-guessing yourself. Stop hyper-targeting Will Pauling. I understand he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But you have to understand also that throwing the ball to other guys is going to open it up more for Will Pauling. So it kind of plays hand-in-hand. Just let it rip, baby. So for me looking at it, in eight games, Tanner Mordecai has faced 69 pressures. I'm telling you, bro. They find him. <laughs> That's I like that nice. per game, which is a little high. I'd, I'd like to see that number lower this weekend. Yeah. And honestly, the other thing that really stood out to me is Jack Nelson has 13 penalties this season. We yeah. need Jack Nelson to have a clean game. Yeah. Uh, that that could have been something actually that con- that goes into the what needs to improve. Jack Nelson needs to cut down his penalties. True. Now, Jake mentioned with Minnesota's opposing players, their leading tacklers all being defensive backs, that means you're usually getting gashed by the run, which Minnesota allows 4.6 yards per carry. Jesus. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, so use Braylon Allen to beat them. Use Jackson Acre as a change of possession or a change of pace guy uh, and just possess the ball. Minnesota is actually number 22 in all of college football in time of possession. So mm. use the run to possess the ball a little bit um, and then just take care of the ball. Um, Mike, what are you looking for from the Badgers offense? I literally wrote down the court Minnesota's cor- cornerbacks are the leading tacklers. So we're all on the, we're all on the same page here. So hopefully we get a healthy Braylon Allen, obviously um, even actually I did this was worth calling out. Jackson Aker did not play that second half last week. He was in street clothes by by the way, I'm pretty sure. So I'm right, very I curious. See if I can find see, anything. Yeah. Because that that was really, really quiet. Because yeah, if you like look on the sidelines, he was he was in uh street clothes. But hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what a running back room is gonna look like. Um, especially if Aker's not completely healthy or anything like that. But um, mm-hmm. Hopefully Braylon's ready to go, but no, this is an opportunity to 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 establish a run on these dudes. No question about it. Hopefully we can uh, ride Tanner off into the sunset uh, with a regular fi- regular season uh, finale win. And yeah, I think we just established the run, kind of like what you guys said. It's going to be a big opportunity for us, especially with the corners being the leading tacklers for them. Uh, yikes! So uh, we'll go with that. Hi, Barry. Barry, welcome back. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look and see what I can find as far as injury report stuff is concerned. But uh, yeah. while I do that, Jake, let us know what you're looking for from the Badgers defense. So, <clears throat> flipping the coin here, um, Minnesota will definitely try to establish a run. That's just the way they've been, they've operated under uh, uh, Little Man Syndrome. Glasses <laughs> <Some laughs> in the bedroom. <laughs> um, Minnesota will try to establish a run. Darius Taylor has 103 carries, 591 yards, and four touchdowns. 
backup running back, Jordan Newbin, has 100 carries for 442 yards and two touchdowns. So those are going to be the two horses. Um, like we said, Calicama, whatever the hell his last name is, um, he doesn't have the feet to, to beat you. Uh, his, his rushing average is terrible. And to be completely honest with you, I don't think he has the arm to beat you either. Um, he has 1,671 yards on the season, 13 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Um, he has eight touchdowns and six of those interceptions in Minnesota. So that might fare very good for us. In terms of receiving options, they have Daniel Jackson. Daniel Jackson is their go-to guy. Um, he has 48 receptions, 710 yards, and seven touchdowns. He has 42% of the receiving yards and 53% of their receiving touchdowns. Shut him down. Focus on the run. So, so far, I have not been able to find anything on Braylon Allen or Jackson Aker. Barry said, let's chop down their offense like Paul Bunyan. I like it. I like it. Um, Mike, what are you looking for from the Badgers defense against Minnesota? Yeah, Jake hit it on the head. I mean, they want they want to establish a run. I will say this sets up perfectly for, like, our traditional, like, previous Wisconsin traditional defense. They're not going to spread us out or anything like that. If they want to ground and pound. And it sets up for what we're more so accustomed to. So I, I honestly think our front seven should have a field day, to be quite honest, against these folks. But um, Jake said Daniel Jackson. Yeah, I, I think so. And this they don't spread they don't spread you out. We are not the greatest against teams that spread us out. We, it's you know it's just a thing. Hopefully that changes uh, in years to come with you know newer recruits coming in. But um, no, Dan, I wrote down Daniel Jackson as well, seven touchdowns. So I, I wrote down Ricardo Hall, Mr. Rico Hallman will probably be on him all game. So looking forward to that matchup. But no, I think our front seven should be able to, you know, establish the or stop the run because we're very much accustomed to that. That's what we've done. That's why we've been successful in years past. So not too much other than that. We can stop. We should have a great front seven to stop the run against these guys. Yeah, Wisconsin allows 3.8 yards per carry. So the correct. Yep. The yeah, the running games that the two teams want to play with, the the statistics lie on the side of the Badgers. But the games aren't played on the stats, they're played on the field. So Josh asked who wins between Ohio State and Michigan. Preferably Ohio State. Michigan does not deserve any nice things. Not that Ohio State does, but I at least respect Ohio State whereas Michigan the respect is gone. I hope Ohio State wins and then they get absolutely clowned in the playoffs. Yeah. God, it's such yeah. a, fl- a coin, coin flip now because, like, ever since, like, the whole, you know, Connor Stallions thing happened, like, Michigan hasn't looked great the last two games. No. Like, if you watch that them against Maryland, dude, they almost pissed away that game. Like, they, Maryland they had were, their chance. They had they their chance to rough. upset them. Like, yeah. McCarthy doesn't look anything special. I mean, they have a great running back, so give them that. overall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that too. That's another conversation. But no, McCarthy. I mean, he does not look anything special at all. Maryland's not. He's a game manager. He's Jimmy G, but ten years younger. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's going to be interesting, man. I mean, the games in Michigan. It's such a coin flip, especially after all this went down. I think only because Michigan's at home, I'm going to give them the nod by a field goal, right? So, yeah, that's Say Ohio State wins three to zero. Everybody goes home angry. <laughs> that would... <laughs> uh, oh my god, I can angry. see that with the, with this Ohio State offense. I can see that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and and their yeah, and their defense. They they got a really good yeah. defense. 
Uh, All right, Jake, what's the weather going to be like? Barry, you want in on this one? No? Oh, I wasn't ready. Wasn't ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the weather. (laughs) I'm just giving you shit, Barry. Uh, 38 to 35. Remember, I'm giving my range. Uh, Winds south-southwest at 7 miles per hour. Nah on the rain and 99% on the cloud coverage. So it's going to be cloudy and eh. Big 10 football, though, 38 to 35. That's pretty decent, man. Yeah. For the end of November, yeah. It's not you can snowing do either. Yeah. Yeah. No snow, no rain, just some clouds, baby. All right. So I actually want to say this real quick before we do our matchups. Uh, this is kind of a both sides of the ball thing. Minnesota does not commit penalties. Like at all. Like I think they're number two, if I'm not mistaken, in all of college football in penalties. They so Badgers got to keep now. it clean. Um, that's not my matchup, but um, he said next week's Packer game. I got you. <laughs> all right. Uh, Mike, what is your matchup to watch? Uh, Jordan Newbin versus our, our front seven. I should specify it more, but I still, yeah, it, it's simple. Minnesota wants to establish a run. We need to do everything we can to stop it. I trust Rico Hallman on their, on their one stud receiver. Um, that simple <laughs> for sure. Trust Ricardo. He was yeah. he had Marvin Harrison Jr. Guarding four times targeted one reception. That was it. So in Rico, we trust. I'll say that. There you go. Uh, Jake, what's the matchup you're watching? Make the well, damn shirts. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll talk to Tyler. We got a guy. I, uh, I do have Ricardo Hallman versus Daniel Jackson. Uh, I wrote nice. down mano y mano, which uh, translates to hand-to-hand, by the way, not man-to-man. It translates to hand-to-hand like a fight. So mano y mano, it's going to go big versus big, man. That's going to be the matchup to watch. Whoever wins that is going to have a big upper hand in this football game. All right. I'm not going to lie to you. I went a little basic, but I think in grand scheme of things, it's important. I went Fleck versus Fickle. Let's start a decade of ownership of Wisconsin over Minnesota. Let's start a, let's start a rivalry here, beginning with Fickle and Fleck, that gets B.J. Fleck fired. Sign me up. <laughs> hey, now. Not, and, okay, and I mean this not like to be a dick, but, like, that's the level of ownership I aspire to for Wisconsin over Minnesota. Barry said he need to make Barry the weather guy shirts. All right, Mike, what's your key to the game? I got this is so this now this is so simple because I keep reiterating it, but just stop. We have to stop the run because, again, going back to we don't know the health status of multiple offensive players. We need to, you know, step up on the defensive side of the ball and, you know, do everything we can to stop Jordan Newbin because, yeah. The quarterback's not going to run, run from us at all whatsoever. And, yeah, P, PJ's offense is to get one to two running backs going. And we, if we can stop the run, we're going to have a very, very good chance to be to, to beat these guys. So, All right, Jake, what's your key to the game? Buckle up. It's going to be pretty good. Attack. Attack. Execute. Attack. Attack. And then get the axe as far away from PJ Fleck as humanly possible because he violated it. PJ, get it as, as far away from PJ Fleck's bed. Get it as far away as possible from that. Dude, when I heard that, I was like, never again is that man allowed to win the axe. Fickle, 
Yeah. You know what to do, boy. Yeah. Take it home. <laughs> yeah. Not literally. <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> oh, shit. That is what I meant. Um, okay. So mine, it's not it's not anything specific, but it's everything specific. My key to the game is any means necessary. Hmm. This is like we talked about this last week a little bit. My key was attack the ball on both sides. Literally any means necessary, and obviously within reason, like don't be trying to like dive at people's knees and shit. But as far as football goes, any means necessary to win this football game and get the axe back. End the regular season on a high note. Obviously, we'll have a bowl game because they're eligible for it now. But put a bow on this season where it's like, okay, they had a rough three-game stretch, but they finished the season off with two wins. One of them a come-from-behind win where they were down 14 points in the blink of an eye, came back and won it in overtime with some stones in the overtime period. And then they went and beat the shit out of Minnesota by any means necessary. And we could hold Minnesota out from being bowl eligible, which would just be the cherry yep. on top. Oh, icing on the cake. Correct. That would be the cherry yep. on top, dude. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. It's uh, it's a perfect <laughs> storm to, like, absolutely take it last, like, shit on their season. Oh, so. Yeah. If we take the axe and prevent them from playing a bowl game, dude, you the only thing in PJ Flex bed is going to be a box of tissues. <laughs> I guess, I guess the Floyd of Rosedale or whatever, the pig will be in his bed. That's all right. We'll give him the pig because they had that oh, rivalry game with are Iowa. You talking about his wife? <laughs> oh, that was me. Nope. PJ Flex. Wait, I thought is, we were just taking shots, dude. This is Flex catching strays out here. <laughs> Screw that guy, man. Yeah. Mrs. Flex didn't do anything. She just married a short weirdo. That's her problem, not mine. <laughs> Facts. All right. Oh, uh, Brett said, what's up? By the way, I'm not giving up Keenan Allen. Brett, you're watching the show. I'm leading this league by a lot. I'm in no position to give up one guy for two. I don't need to do any. I, need to, I don't need to do any one for twos. I need to do two for <laughs> ones. Brett said, stealing the axe is always the best, especially guys living in the lacrosse area. It hits amazing. I bet it does, being right on the border. Yeah. I bet yeah, I bet Christopher. I don't know if I don't think Christopher is a Minnesota fan. I know he's a Bucks fan, and he like follows the show. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's a Badger fan, but if he is, he lives in Minnesota. If he's a Badger fan living in Minnesota, that would be uh, a nice Monday for him to go in and be like, "He's going in. He's going to the game too." Remember? Oh, I did forget about that. You're right. Yeah. Yep. People don't All forget. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. If I didn't have 69 games to pay attention to, I no, 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 I was just saying a movie quote, dude. I know, <laughs> don't think I too far into it. <laughs> yeah, you know, we have whatever floats Minnesota's weird boat. No, 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 Barry, we're not floating Minnesota's boat. Um, yeah. roll the boat, yeah, not doing yeah, that. down the river, fleck, <laughs> down the Mississippi, send them down to, I don't know, UC Chattanooga or something. <laughs> All right, just get them away from the Big Ten. Okay, Mike. Score prediction from the head. So going in, into this game, first off, I thought I was going to bring up the CJ Getz quote. So he was talking to Petrikas the other day, and he said one of the main reasons why he came back to Wisconsin was specifically for this game. This te- this That's part of like what should tell you as far as like the Wisconsin-Minnesota rivalry, what this actually means to these kids that are in the program. 
especially the in-state kids. I kind of talked about it last week in terms of responding to how bad we were playing the two games and who should step up. These in-state seniors should be the ones who step up. So hopefully we can get a healthy DK back, um, you know, and all the in-state, yeah, all the in-state seniors, whatever. But no, I thought that that resonated with me quite a bit when CJ was talking about that. I do think this game is going to be somewhat similar to how it's been going score-wise the last couple weeks. From the head, I got 21-16 Wisconsin. So I looked at the Badgers' last two wins and Minnesota's last two wins. Uh, Minnesota in their last two wins is averaging 19.5 points. Badgers in their last two wins are averaging 24.5 points. So I kind of just went with that. I went 24-19 Wisconsin. You are are just just something else, dude. You know? (laughs) You know, because I did almost the exact same thing, but I have twenty four eighteen. Oh, you run it so down, close, dude! If you would have said eight, <laughs> dude, I got scared when you said twenty four nineteen. I was like, "What?" <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, what is your score prediction from the heart? Just a little bit. We're gonna give up less points, but uh, I got twenty four to ten from from the heart. Ooh, twenty four ten. I could see that. Like uh, Barry said twenty four nothing. Oh, damn, Barry. All right. Throughout this season, if you had to guess what my heart score prediction would be, it's the it's the old Wisconsin. Say it. 38-17. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> had to That's do it right for there. the end of the regular season. I freaking love it. I love it. That was great. Good stuff. I'm actually jealous. I didn't think of that. Um, ah. <laughs> I went 27-14 Wisconsin. We, we stopped their run. We established our own dominate time session. Yeah. All right. So anything else you guys want to say on Badger football? Um, for anybody watching, uh, especially the old people that like to complain, uh, this game's on FS1, so you should get that with your regular cable package. Uh, it's also in the middle of the day, so if you take a nap, you might want to put a pause on it because <laughs> it's at 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm sorry I had to get that up. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> We gotta get I love you some two That'd be amazing. Hey, hey, who doesn't love a nap? I mean, I'm don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I just can't deal with the people that complain about the peacock stuff. Like, just get on board. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh Barry said on Wisconsin. Absolutely. Uh, All right. Yes, so sir. sticking with Wisconsin, but switching sports, we're gonna go to Friday night's game against Robert Morris for the Badgers. Um, Mike, talk about the free throws and the defense. I'll start with the defense because it just seemed so at the beginning of this game, I thought we were kind of a little out out of sync and it kind of resonated a little bit in the second half. But I thought the biggest issue I did have on this is that with the rotations, we were over pursuing quite a bit, whether that I think it was like more so rotating when like guys were switching off of each other, which led to a lot of open threes for Robert Morris because their two point field goal percentage coming into this game was absolutely God awful. Right. So there's no, like I thought going into it, okay, like just don't give up the three. We should be fine. But there, it seemed like there was a lot of miscommunications with switching off on guys. And it led to, you know, Robert Moore scoring most of their goddamn points, you know, shooting from the three. So that definitely, uh, caught my eye at first i think it's just something as far as like whether it's like an aj store who's still adjusting to our system if it's like a john blackwell as well being a freshman new freshman coming in norland winter and just guys that i think are still trying to get accustomed to what we're trying to run on defense so um we just got just clear cleaning that up i think we got to keep doing the spacing obviously 
and uh, stuff along those lines. But um, I'll go into the second part, the free throws, which is somewhat of a bright spot, but it's something we also could work on. Uh, we shot 40 free throws, which was insane. You could tell right from the jump, we were trying to establish it, getting on the inside immediately, which I'll let you guys talk about that. But we shot 27 of 40 from the line, 67 and percent. Is it, it's kind of like for, for our team, it's kind of like, eh, somewhat on, eh, you know, it needs work. Right. So yeah. Stephen Crowell was two of six. Tyler wall was eight of 12. John Blackwell was eight of 10 on car. And, um, McGee, McGee was four, four of six. So, uh, those are the top four there, but it's, it's always something that I'm probably going to harp on, on this podcast, uh, this season, because it's definitely something that needs to improve, uh, especially in tighter games, but, um, yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, on the subject of missed free throws, they missed 13 free throws. They allowed seven points off turnovers, 11 second chance points. So you look at it, there's 31 fundamental failure points here. They cut those missed free throws in half. You're looking at 25. Yeah, that's great. Under 30, I would think based on what they've done so far this season, under 30, I think is where I'm going to be happy with how the Badgers are doing their fundamentals. But missed free throws is going to play a large part in it uh, week to week, game to game on how they perform on that. But Jake, talk about John Blackwell and the three-point shooting. So I'll start with Blackwell, then I'll go to the three-point shooting. So Blackwell was tremendous. Um, I really wanted to talk about him because, man. Do you want to see what my notes say on John Blackwell? <laughs> what you got? What you got? Wait, John. John Wait. Oh. <laughs> that says John MF and Blackwell. <laughs> Eight-point stretch, hit two corner threes. <laughs> yeah, um, his ability, you know, he made two of the three three-pointers, which I was going to talk about. So yep. um, he was four or five overall. His ability to just kind of put his head down and be like, listen, I'm going to score right now is something that this team desperately needs at this point in the season. Um, bench, starter, it doesn't matter. Uh, Chucky Hepburn's been kind of a letdown. Uh, AJ Storrs figuring it out, I'll say. He didn't have a great game. Um between Store, Klesman, and Hepburn in this game, they went of won a combined seven of twenty-one. Now we're coming off of a game where we were just talking about Crowell and Wall having to be better, and now our entire front court or back court has to be better. You know, so um, they have to figure it out. They have to get more consistent with the starters. But John Blackwell's been carrying the bench production, so mm-hmm. just wanted to really give him a shout out and pat him on the back. Also, just. Keep doing your thing, young man. You're absolutely balling, and you look to have a very bright future. Now the three-point shooting. We need Connor a season. <laughs> like, bad. <laughs> like, really bad. Um, we started this game 0 for 8. Uh, Chucky Hepburn, his one three-pointer was the was the ninth attempt for the Badgers, and it went in. Uh, Blackwell made the, next, uh, the other two. Uh, we went 3 of 13 overall. That's 23%. Not great. Then you look at Robert Morris three-point shooting, right? They went 13 of 29. One of their three-pointers was garbage, by the way. The ball got, like, bounced, and the guy got it, and it was at the end of the shot clock, and he just heaved it up. And I'm like, really? Like, they get that to go, but we can't buy one? Sports. It, it, you know what? When I say, when I see things like that, it's just like, it'd be like that sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I agree. That's just, it'd just be like that sometimes. <laughs> So they ended up shooting 45% behind the three-point line. They shot 46% from the field. If you take away their three-point makes, you know, and their attempts and all that stuff, they were actually 9 of 23 from the field outside of 
you know, three-point attempts, which is 39%. So you can live with that yeah, as long as you're not giving up the threes, right? So the way, the way that you kind of counteract that, which is turnovers, which we dominated. So Okay. So both of my takeaways from this game were on the offensive side of the ball, one being the post game. Immediately, like last week we talked about Greg Gard calling out Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell for not playing hard enough. Yep. Immediately in this game, straight to work in the post. Tyler Wall looked more physical. Stephen Crowell looked more methodical. And to the tune of 12 points for Stephen Crowell and 11 points for Tyler Wall in the first half. Yeah. Um, and I will say AJ Story got a couple of low post touches too, but Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall both using their left hands very well and using their length to score. Yep. And then the other thing was, and I'm going to come back to this in Virginia, so maybe I'll just back-to-back these, <clears throat> but the pick-and-roll offense. Chucky Hepburn running with Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall pick-and-rolls got all three of them some good looks in and around the paint. And, and I'll use that to transition right into Virginia because one of my takeaways from Virginia game was the Badgers offense because they kept running those ball screens and they were running a lot of dribble handoff offense and both of them were too much for Virginia to handle. And Virginia is a good defensive team. Like I saw people complaining about the Badgers only scoring like 60 some points and shooting you know a lower percentage. And it's like Virginia is a top 15 defensive team in the NCAA. Every year. Every yeah, every year. Yeah. Uh, if any, Wisconsin, the casual Florida, fan that pays attention to college basketball, should know that. Yeah, right. And that's that's the key word there is casual. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will say, like I said, it was too much for Virginia to keep up with. But Wisconsin scoring sixty five points broke three straight Wisconsin Virginia matchups where the winner didn't top fifty three. Yeah, that that tweet hurt my feelings a little bit. I won't lie. Yeah, that's, that's kind of rough. Um, and then my other thing was the defensive boards. So the defensive rebounding by the Badgers, 27 to 16. Um, Wisconsin held Virginia to 28 one-and-done possessions. Love that. Yeah, that's that's huge. That's, that's good. And that's not made baskets where, like, you know, you take a one shot and you make it. Like, that's one-and-done, like one missed shot. And nothing else. Twenty yep. second chance points have been a problem too. Only five allowed in this game. Love five it. second chance points for Virginia, and forty-one points. I looked it up. I literally went through every single day of college basketball games so far this season. Forty-one points is the lowest point total by a ranked team this season. Not and it'll probably stand for a while. Yeah, it's not a lot of points. That's. Yeah, so the Badgers' defense was for real in this game. Um, Jake, what did you notice from this game from the Badgers? All right, I'm here to talk about three-point shooting, and then I'm going to go to my man Crowell because I owe him an apology because he played bad last week. But, man, oh, man, did he show up against Virginia. Um, The three-point shooting was much better. So I wanted to talk about it back-to-back games because the consistency was better. I felt like we ran better sets. We got guys open more. Uh, we were 8 of 18, and we held them to 4 of 14. So you just think about that that flip from game to game, and the defense int- the defensive intensity was much better. Can I add um, something in real quick? What's you up? You said they were 4 of 14? Yeah. Damn. That's – okay. I had something else written down. Uh, Virginia's uh, field goal shooting t- 
total in the first half, they were five for 21. Oh my God. 23.8% wow. they shot on field goals in the first half. Well, if you're a Virginia fan, please stop listening because that is horrible. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for yeah. You. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the three point shooting was just tremendous. Um, I know that somebody else is going to cover this. So I'm not going to bring it up, but man, oh man, it's the second most impressive thing to me uh, was the rebounding, um, the offensive. So I want to talk about Crowell. Um, you look at his stats, right? 15, 10, two assists, seven of 10 from the field, one of one from the three point line. The big man was stretching the floor. The thing that was the most impressive to me was the decision making out of the double teams. That was the thing that absolutely helped the Badgers control this game on the offensive end because you could tell we were bigger, right? Immediately when the starting lineups are going out there, the tip-offs coming up, you're like, they're kind of small, but they blitz you, right? Yep. They dig, they they force you to make they force you to make cross-court passes, but Stephen Crowell was standing tall, playing to yeah, his side. Yeah, good good passing Stephen Crowell is back. And he made the right decision. So I'm just, like, really proud of how he played, uh, stayed under control, didn't force anything when he didn't have to. And this is the Stephen Crowell that I want. Yes. Just be seven yes. feet tall and score when I tell you to score and then shoot the damn three-pointer. I want him to shoot threes, dude. Thank you. I went on a whole-ass rant about hey, that last it. week. He doesn't have to shoot ten of them or five of them. Just shoot three. Three. Give me, give me three a game. You have three. that ability, dude. Just do yep. it. Make one a game. Make two here and there. Yeah. And make three against Purdue and Michigan State. Shit, I want you to make seven yeah. against Michigan State because I don't like them at all. But I'm talking just <laughs> out of his three that he shoots. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, Mike, what did you see from the Badgers against Virginia? Uh, I'll jump into uh, offensive rebounds. So – the batters had 20, 20 offensive rebounds. Just <laughs> asinine because typically we're not the biggest team, I would I would say, either going into a game. And I know that's not – you don't have to take that into it necessarily. But, uh, yeah, we were scrappy, man. I mean, Crow Stephen Crowell had four offensive boards. Tyler Wall had seven, which is absolutely insane. Uh, A.J. Store had two. Um what was it? Nolan Winter, Gilmore, Blackwell, and Isaac Lindsay. Lindsay all had one, so he got to distribute a little bit. But I don't. I can't remember the last time we would get close to a stat like this. So twenty offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounds in Virginia had total. Yeah, yeah, that's in, that's absolutely insane. Um, can you can you did, talk about the best offensive rebound? Tell me which one was the best one. Oh, the put, that put back dunk by Carter Gilmore. Yeah, Whoa. I was going to. Where the hell did that, that come from? That by the, the way. <laughs> I, I told you guys I almost spit my water. Slam and shit. Like, what? I told you guys I almost spit out my water. Like, that was legit. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like. I bet you a million dollars not one Badger fan had Carter Gilmore tip slam on their Badger bingo card for this season. Never, never, that, ever did I think I was going to see that, bro. You you can bet your mortgage on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you can bet your mortgage on that. That's like yeah. fair. Uh, yeah, the second part then, too, was the bench scoring, right? So, I mean, we had 22 bench points. We talked about so many times last season, we need the bench to get more involved. This has definitely been a big improvement so so far. Uh, it's definitely led by John, John Blackwell, but, I mean, he had 10 of the 22 points. But, I mean, you still got contributions from McGee. He had three. Car, car, uh, 
Connor Seijin had a nice little back cut for, for a layup during the game when he was in there. Uh, Nolan Winter had a big, big three-pointer in the second half. Uh, and Carter Gilmore had four points. And, I mean, after that tip slam, the batters went on a 25-6 to six run to end the game. Yes, yeah, so, I'm glad you brought that up. And one more, and a big, big call out here. Why is the bench so important? Well, in the first half, and even actually went into the second a little bit, there was one point where Chucky Hepburn, Tyler Wall, and A.J. Storr were combined 0 of 13, right? Mm. So put that that together. Those are three of your starters now. So it's all the more reason why we need the bench to keep doing what it's doing. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. I'm glad you brought up the run because I was going to bring that up. Um, Stephen Crowell, very important part of that as well, actually. Um, yeah. Virginia had cut the lead to five. Crowell had a post up that made it seven, contested a shot, got a block. He came down again, put up another shot, and that was where Carter Gilmore tip slammed the ball. That put the lead back to nine. Stephen Crowell contested another shot, and then John Blackwell made two free throws that put it to 11. And that's where the Badger ball screens took over, and that's where Crowell was getting dunks, and Virginia got rattled, and the Badgers just ended up blowing it out. Yeah. Um, I want to give a quick shot. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let you go. I was going to answer Barry's question. I was going to say, I was going to say this was probably also Mac. We haven't mentioned his name yet. Uh, Max Klausman's best game too. Uh, he sure. ended when Virginia was starting to come back. I want to say it was 37, 32 and he hit a big time three that absolutely quieted the Virginia side of things in the second half that it got to 40 to 32 and you know, good things were happening there, but no, his decision making was great. Uh, in the beginning, he had a couple ni- nice jumpers that were tough, but they were like meant to be as like the clock, the the shot clock was running out. So, uh, no, c- shout out to Klesman for sure. This was his best game of the year. Uh, Barry couldn't tell you if you if UW Oshkosh is doing good or not. We have a UW Whitewater uh, alum, so we don't talk about Oshkosh on this show. Go Warhawks, baby. <laughs> All ring, right. at, that's Ring University. You want Ring University down there. They're in the playoffs right now for football. Yeah, they are. Yep. As they always are. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Produce so, NFL guys, too. That's true. At least one. All right. Two. All right. So, SMU tonight. That is the Fort Myers tip-off championship tonight for the Badgers against SMU. And then they play Western Illinois on Monday. Uh, Monday, we are also going to have a guest with us. Jake and I are going to do an interview on Monday afternoon uh, with AJ Bocchini. He is uh, another Whitewater guy, actually. Um, So we're going to talk to him. He's uh, one of the managers of the basketball team there. He's uh, just an interesting person I think we're going to have a a good conversation with. Yeah. All right. So that'll be on Monday. Also, he's going to that game, which is why I tied that in, because he told me he's going to that Badger game. So he's going to interview with us, and then he's going to go to the Badger game. It's going to be a good day for him. Yeah. All right. So, Mike, what are your two goals and your record prediction for the next week of Badger games? So I really wanted to – I focused on, on tonight night's game mainly. Um, I think we're going to have an opportunity to see Stephen Crowell try have a big game again. SMU, they are their lineup is six nine, six eight, six three, six four, and six five. Virginia had what one guy, I think that was six ten or six eleven or something like that. But um the matchup matchup wise, Stephen Crawl, I think, is gonna have another opportunity to um have a big game. Now, defensively, I watched SMU a little bit. They are complete opposite of what Virginia does. 
they like they're kind of similar to Marquette. They love to get out in transition, get out in space. They run. Um, yeah, like I said, similar to Marquette. They will press as well. Uh, they did that a little bit last night. So and, and they will also double the post. So you're going to see a lot of that too tonight. You're going to see a lot of Stephen Crawl decision making. If we can rep, if he can replicate what he did the other night against Virginia, I think we're going to be okay uh, from a matchup perspective. So, um, and that kind of leads me into the second part: uh, transition defense. Um, as I said, mm-hmm. SMU that's a team that loves to run. You're going to see it right right away. So um, I know sometimes that's not the greatest matchup for for us, especially since we may necessarily not have the athletes. Um, but no, the transition defense is also going to be a big call out. I wish I knew more about Western Illinois, but I wanted to focus on, on this first one with SMU. But no, is that a sentence that you would calls. actually say oh. again? Which one? I wish uh, I knew more I didn't about know much. Oh, Western yeah, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> I do want to one more stat. So SMU going into tonight, they are 15th in the country in the fastest possessions at 15.1 seconds. So they like nice. to get the ball out quick. They like to get shots up quick. So that's another thing to to watch out for, and why I think transition D is something that you know we need to make it a. What do you? Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. issue. What do you think for a record prediction on the two games? On the two, what do you what do you mean the two games? Are they going to win or lose? Oh, they're going to win tonight for sure. We're going to win. <laughs> the, the spread is minus seven and a half. Um, I I don't know much 
140 over unders 144 so you're looking at a 70 they're they're thinking it's going to be right around like a 74 70 game or something like that so i do think it's going to be close just because we don't typically match up well with teams like this so i would go yeah 76 70 wisconsin all right uh jake give me uh your two goals for next week and a record prediction uh, I'm more of a 75 to 69, Mike. That's just me personally. <laughs> My bad. I should have caught, caught onto that. <laughs> like, um, for me, the first thing uh, is store Klesman and Hepburn, right? Those are your starters. They have to find consistency and they have to find it together. Um, we know going into this and, you know, I'm going to refer back to the Packers. And I talked about something last night about the wide receivers. They all they have four guys that do one specific job incredibly well, right? AJ Starr, that guy's an athlete. Let's get him going towards the rim. Uh, I think that Klesman is more of like the combo guard. You don't really know what he's like best at, but I know that he's really good at going left and finishing with his left hand. So let's do that, okay? And for Hepburn, Hepburn, man, you just he's got to be. I gotta agree with Jake on this one. Uh, that's a good decision by you. Um, Hepburn, man, they want to give you the keys, bro. Take, take the keys, dude. Take the shot. Like he, I feel like he, he's gun shy. I don't know what it is. Um, Which is weird because he was the opposite last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so weird. Like he's, he's become so, Hesitant. I don't know what it is, man. But like, if, if he has like a, a inch of space, dude, just, just figure it out. You're the star on this team. You're the engine. Just take the shot. Take the mid range. If they give you the mid range. Take the layup. They give you the layup. They give you a, a step. If he goes under a screen, you don't go under a screen, okay? You're a goddamn shooter. Shoot the damn side. ball. Yep. Um, and then for me, I just I ha- I want them to play a little bit faster. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I like Nolan Winter uh, against. I believe it was against Virginia. No, it was against Robert Morris. Uh, Nolan Winter came in the game and. Uh, McGee actually leaked out down the court and Winter hit him for like a full court pass. And that's the kind of stuff that I love. Like we need to get more of that because our offense can get stagnant at a certain point. So like, let's just get some easy buckets in transition. I like hearing that SMU likes to get up and down. That might speed us up a little bit. I think that plays a little bit better to our, in our hands. I know we don't have a bunch of guys that are just running, you know, four, four forties and, you know, jumping 45 inches in the air. But I do believe we have guys that can finish at the rim and transition. That's what this entire generation is about, right? So I want us to play a little bit faster, and I need those three to start cooking. As far as the Badgers' pace is concerned, it's not as slow as it used to be. Well, I know. Um, you know, that's I mean, like last year, what they were like three twenty out of three twenty-five. Yep. So as long as they're not in that range, you know, I mean, I mean, can't really get much slower than they were. True, <laughs> but. Um, my two goals, one, bring the defense versus Virginia with you everywhere you go. True. The Badgers, awesome. it, was, it was great. They were getting deflections and steals and tip passes and blocks. and it, They were everywhere. And their rotations were fantastic. The Badgers' defensive rotations were so good against Virginia. And then my second one, I told you guys I had something about John Blackwell. Now, I'm not calling for Greg Gard to make this change, but I'm saying this should be a goal for John Blackwell. My second goal is for John Blackwell to start instead of Max Klesman. Hmm. 
Now, it's again, I'm not saying Greg Gard should make this change, but I'm saying based on their play right now, John Blackwell could give a boost to the starters, and his defense is still there. And then Max Klesmit could give a boost to the bench and not maybe have to feel so much pressure as as to be a guy in the starting lineup. So Max Klesmit did play better against Virginia. So that you know maybe makes this a little bit less of a um, a hot take or something like that. But um, if Max Klesmit continues to kind of struggle out of the gates so far, like I get that we're five games into the season, but John Blackwell is playing so good, it's really hard to ignore and keep him out of the starting lineup. Yeah. I mean, he's he's already starting to guard some of the best um, offensive players on, on the other team. Too. I think we are going to see, I don't mean to get too off topic, but I think we're going to see a lot of lineups this year that feature like Chucky, Max, and Blackwell in at the same time, or even we had a uh, Chucky Kamari Blackwell lineup at one that's point. Honestly, that was wild. Know, <laughs> that's what that was the main thing I wanted to bring up. And I honestly yeah. think against a team like Marquette coming up, for example, I would not surprise me if we saw if we yeah. saw that a lot of that. Um, we were absolutely tenacious with, with that in there. I think we are mm-hmm. going to see that lineup in more often than not and because Kamari McGee is playing well too uh from a Picking deep, especially on the defensive side yeah yeah he's getting a little more play, playing time too slowly but surely yep. but uh no I think we're gonna see that lineup more often than not this this year so that was a key thing I wanted to call out real quick yeah all right and again like I said I'm just gonna put this disclaimer out there again I'm not calling for Greg Gard to make that change but I'm saying John Blackwell should have the goal of getting Max Klesmith starting spot all right. Anything else you guys want to say about Badger basketball before we bid adieu to Mike for the week and switch to the Bucks? Let's get some W's, boys. Get our axe hey, back. We need it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree. It's a bit perfect right. week to do that. Exactly. All right, Mike. We will see you again next Wednesday then. Sounds good. Happy Thanksgiving, guys, as yes. well. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. I won't lie. I thought that you guys would be a little more like what when I brought that up, the John Blackwell thing. But like I, said, I don't hate it actually. I think it's not more of like a what. It's more of like I'm thinking about it and it makes sense. I I try to do that, you know, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it really, like I said, it really is more about John Blackwell and how well he's playing. That, like I said, it can't it can't be ignored. Yeah, the only thing that I, I'm I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just going to play, you know, the other other side, right? Yeah. Um, he is, like, the most consistent player off the bench, and I just worry that the, the bench scoring would be so, like, down because Klesman is not a guy that really looks for a shot. He's more of, like, a work-it-in-as-he-needs-to kind of guy, which is probably why he's a starter. They probably figured that Hepburn would be taking a lot of shots and being the main scorer on right. the perimeter, so – I'm in a situation though where it get it. I think it makes more sense in the NBA to keep potentially a better scorer on the bench and have him be your sixth man. But in That's college, fair. I think your, I think your best scorers should be the starters. Hey, I'm not, I'm not against that dude. Plus, Blackwell being a starter, playing a bunch of minutes, man. What way to set up your future better, right? And the and the defense is there. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Let's go to the Bucks. Stick with basketball. Go to the Bucks. Uh, give me your power pair and underrated performer. All right. So, for power pair, my first one, I went with 
Have a good one, Barry. The weather report. Take care, Barry. Appreciate you stopping by, man, and commenting. Uh, don't forget to invite your family and enjoy Turkey Day, my man. Go Packers, go Bucks, go go Badgers. For Power Pair, I went with Damian Lillard. And That's man, right. oh man, did he have a coming out party in the in the first one? Um, he averaged 28 points, four rebounds, nine assists. Here's where it gets crazy, right? He he shot 44% from the field. He shot 43% from the three-point line. Damn, I I was waiting for it when you said it was going to be crazy. I was like, was it higher? <laughs> it was close. Dude, he was so close. I was like, oh my god. And then he shot an uh, amazing 90% clip uh, from the free throw line. You saw how visibly upset he was when he missed that second free throw the other night. Our, <clears throat> so 37 to 41. He was a plus 35 for the week. Um, then we go to my next one. I have no other than Pat Connaughton. The Pat Connaughton slander needs to freaking stop. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to have a discussion about him a little bit later, but okay. Pat I'm Connaughton glad you brought slander because we're going to have to talk about it. Needs to stop. Do not do that. Yeah. Knock it off. You know, and, and like I said, until, you know, any of these guys that you want to trade them for, until they have big moments in the finals and they're getting bang from Mike Breen, I don't want to hear shit. You understand me? This guy's taking taking elbows to the freaking face. He's getting kicked in the junk. He's diving into the 19th row. I love Pat Connaughton. We're not getting rid of him. We're going to talk a lot about Pat Connaughton today. I love Pat Connaughton. Don't disrespect my boy. Um, <laughs> Pat Connaughton averaged eight points, five rebounds, and three assists, which actually is insane when you think about it. Um, he he had games. This is, these are his game logs. He played 22 minutes, 31 minutes, 35 minutes, 26 minutes. I think him playing more is a good thing for this team. And oh, you can I tell. strongly agree. It's translating. Yeah. Um, he shot 46% from the field, 45 behind the three-point line. Yeah, the shot is back. He's back. Yep. He was a plus 30 on the week. Oh, that's my boy, Pat Connaughton. Pat, so, my underrated performer, I went with Coach Griffin. I like it. I like um, it. People need to start putting some damn respect on this guy, too. Uh, everybody we might have to make a Coach Griffin apology for him now that I think about it. Man, uh, people were trying to fire him. Do we pick the wrong guy? So yeah. I broke down a few things. I went right down. points, rebounds, assists, turnovers, and offensive rebounds. So the offensive rebounds was a, was a big thing that was a problem, and it was very alarming to me. And to hear that he was making them work on boxing out in practice, like literally just getting back to the fundamentals of basketball, how is this not the right hire? I just I, I ask that question. I make it rhetorical because all of your answers are going to be wrong. <laughs> um, over the, over this past four games, the the Bucks have given up on average 116 points, 43 rebounds, 25 assists, 10 turnovers, and 12 offensive rebounds. And remember, they had an off. They gave up 26 offensive rebounds to the Raptors. So that and that's horrible, right? Yeah, but. That 12 average goes way down outside of that game. So then the Bucks average 133, 46 rebounds, 30 assists. Ah, hell yeah. 12 turnovers, and they average eight offensive rebounds themselves. So they're starting to get that offensive rebound number closer. They're averaging more assists. The turnovers are, are – averaging 12 is fantastic. I will take that all day. And 133-point average is fucking dumb. Chris Middleton isn't even healthy. 
I want to cook so bad right now, dude. We scored 142 against the Wizards with a one-legged Chris Middleton because his legs are not back yet. Once he starts shooting a three at, at the clip that we're used to, this team's going to put up 170, and I'm not even shitting you. If the Pacers and Hawks can go 157-152, the Bucks can put up 160 in a game. Easy. Bro, <sighs> man, okay. Bro. I'm going to say this. I think we'll have a game at some point this year where the big three combined for 100 points. I could 100% see it. I could see it. And then Brooks going to add – or Bob's going to add 15. Brooks going to add 10. You're You're done. <laughs> you're done. We don't have Jay Crowder right now. Marjan hasn't played for a few games now. You're done. He's back today. Hey, hey, settle down. I'll set you up. <laughs> All right. Okay, we'll get there. Go ahead, buddy. What's yours? Okay. So, my two, I went with Giannis, naturally. We're, Jake and I are just going to keep trading Giannis and yeah. back and forth. <laughs> I'll have so, Giannis next week. <laughs> right. Yeah. The the weekly appearance in the power pair, you can just uh, pen two of the guys in every week. Giannis <laughs> right. averaged 33.3 points, 11.8 rebounds, four and a half assists in his last three games, eight assists, seven assists, nine assists. He was 70% on field goals, 33.3% on threes, and 53.1% of the free throw line. If Giannis gets his free throw percentage up even just 10% to just 63%, he's going to average 35 Bro, if he shot 70, he's averaging 40. Man. If he actually got foul calls every time he got fouled, he'd be averaging 45. Bro, that's a whole nother discussion. That, that annoyed the shit out of me in the Pacers game, that they wouldn't call fouls for him just because he had 50. You know what's super annoying is that they say, like, oh, the Bucks shoot so many free throws. Giannis and Dame, all they do is shoot free throws. Stop fouling them. Yeah. They're two of the best players in the league, bro. Exactly. They're hard to guard. Just like when people call Giannis running dunk man, and it's like, oh, okay, well, if his stuff is so predictable, stop, stop it. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The other one had to be Malik Beasley. Mm. Yeah. Man, did he have a week. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, him and, and campaign and Giannis all doing the threes. Oh, man. <laughs> Bro. Malik Beasley, 18.3 points, 4.3 rebounds. He shot 59.1% on field goals, 56.3% on threes, 18 of 32. Dude, he was hooping. Man. And he was three for three on free throws. And I'm going to say this on Malik Beasley. If if the Bucks are in your arena and you are an opposing fan sitting courtside, don't yeah, talk bro. shit to Malik Beasley. Yeah, he's going to cash it every time, and he's going to turn around and let you know about it. Bro, that Hornets game, bro, I was going to bring that up. That was one of the things I was going to talk about. I was going to be like, come on, dog. You got him going. Don't yeah, do not do it. Don't do it. He's going to cash it, and he's going to turn back to you, and he's going to give you the three. Yeah, and he's going to give you the little wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> the wiggle is awesome. Wiggle, I love it. The wiggle is so good. So <laughs> All right. So let's start with last Wednesday's game. Let's go to the Bucks and the Raptors. What stood out to you? Man, uh, we're going to get started on these games, dude. But, man, what a freaking fun week to be a Bucks fan. Seriously. Oh, yeah. We're seeing so <laughs> many freaking highlights, and we're just getting started. Um, Giannis didn't, didn't play in this one. Uh, but it didn't matter because Dame and Beasley combined for 67 points. That is insane. Uh, Damian Leather went 9 of 18. Who combined for what? 
Dame and Beasley combined for 67. Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley combined for 67. That's yeah, not that's... Dame and Giannis. That's not Dame and Chris. That's not Chris and Giannis. Yeah. That's a guy that our fans wanted out of the starting lineup after four games. Yeah, think about that, too. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, he's just on a whole new team with a whole new roster and a whole new coaching staff. Like, you know, he, he doesn't get any transition time. Man, you know? 67 is wild. That is insane. I really wish that Damian Lillard would have hit two more free throws. But <laughs> maybe discussion for another day. <laughs> um, Damian Lillard, 37, four rebounds, 13 assists. Damn. Six of his assists were on Beasley three-pointers. That is insane. Six of Beasley's eight three-pointers were assisted by Dame, that means, because so, he went eight of 11 from downtown. Uh Andre Jackson Jr. got the start in this one. I love it. I love when Andre Jackson Jr. starts, dude. Yep. Um, you and I talked about it, man. It's just like, okay, Andre, you're going to go in there, and you're just going to wreck havoc. You're just going to be on that bullshit for yep. about seven minutes, six, seven minutes, and then we're going to pull you out. So mm. go ruin somebody's night. I was just going to say, yeah, your goal is to go annoy the shit out of the other team as much as you possibly can. <laughs> and you know what? You have a guy that has four foot tall hair running at you, and his arms are twenty feet long. It feels like he's like he's like those things that are outside the car dealership that inflate with air. Like he's one of those. That's, that's Andre Jackson Jr. Dude, that's what he looks like on a basketball court. You can tell he has the the basketball IQ on defense, dude. Like he was, dude. he has that. Yeah, and he has the heart, and he wants to play defense. Um, we're gonna talk about a play he made against the Hornets, which was absolutely insane. But, man, he he's going to be a really good player. I like what I see from him. Yeah. The Bucks youth, you know, for all the jokes that the Bucks have dealt with for the last three years of, oh, they're old, they're old, you know, their window's going to be closed soon, they've done a tremendous job with their youth. Marjan yeah. looks great. AJ, uh, AJ Green, or, yeah, AJ Green. Yep. I, double, I second guess myself for a second. Um, he's going to be a pretty good player, in my opinion. I mean, the Bucks are going to be fine in the youth area. Uh, but back to this one, Bobby Portis, 18 and seven. Bobby is back, by the way. He's hitting three mm-hmm. pointers, too. Um, yeah, here's, here's the one thing that I wanted to point out was offensive rebounding, right? <sighs> offensive rebounding was, was bad in this one. They got yeah. a lot of second chance points, but I mean, on, honestly, outside of that, the Bucks were 20 of 39 from the three point line. That is 52 percent. That is stupid. Uh, I'm gonna leave the floor for you, now. man. Okay, so you mentioned Andre Jackson Jr. The Raptors actually started this game up eight to two. Mm-hmm. The Bucks responded with a seventeen to nothing run. Good times. <laughs> Good times. Damian Lillard had ten points in eight minutes, and his driving was setting up everything. Uh, and yeah. then this this annoyed the shit out of me, honestly, that it, that it happened in the first quarter. People complain that Thanasis is on the team, and then people complain when Thanasis is playing in games. What what the hell? What what are we doing here? I don't know, buddy. Oh god. All right. <laughs> I just wanted to say for those people, just stop it. Thanasis is here. Adrian Griffin is actually using him a little bit. Bro, he had a crazy layup in this game. He dude, and he's he's made of energy. Yeah. He's not he's not made of anything else. I agree. He's literally just made of energy. Ah, he's made of loyalty too. I'll say that. Touche. But like, 
when he steps inside the square, inside the rectangle, there's there's nobody out on the floor that's working as hard as the Nessus or running as hard or jumping as hard. True. Um, <clears throat> second quarter, Marjan rolled his ankle. Um, actually, I should say too, the Bucks after the Raptors took their eight to two lead, the Bucks outscored the Raptors thirty four to twelve. Jeez. <laughs> Um, Bucks were using the three ball, made a 13 to four run before halftime, built a 22 point lead that they grew up to 23 before halftime on the Malik Beasley banked in three pointer. That's oh. how you know you're feeling good. Oh man, banks that's, are open pretty late in huh? your time, and then just keep letting it rip. Um, <laughs> two weeks before this game, the Bucks had 44 points at halftime. This game, they had 70. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. I forgot to write that down. Um, 36 and 34 were two of their highest scoring quarters in the season thus far yep. until we get to some more recent games. Uh, you mentioned a bunch of Damian Lillard's assists. Damian Lillard had eight assists in the first half. Six of them were on three pointers. God damn. <laughs> and it was already, already Damian Lillard's fourth 20 point half as a Milwaukee buck. Are you shitting me? Not at all. Oh my God. God. And people are complaining about the defense. Like, we knew the defense was going to take a step back. We knew that was going to happen. But, man, the way the offense is bouncing the other way. Man. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. <laughs> um, getting into the third quarter, Damian Lillard absolutely in attack mode. Eight more points in three minutes. He had a step back three in the corner. Drove for a reverse layup and then hit a logo three. Dude, that step back three. Fuck your team, literally. Yeah. When Damian Lillard is shooting like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you do in that situation? Like, he makes the step back three, and you're like, damn. And then he gets like a reverse layup, and it's like, damn. And then it's like Damian Lillard's put up from the logo. It's just got to be like, fuck. And then he hits it, and it's just like, oh. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine being on the other side of that regularly, like how teams in the West have been. Man. Bucks offense did go a little quiet in the late third quarter, playing a little bit slower, kind of foot off the gas pace. But they mm -hmm. still scored 30 in the quarter, were up 21, had 100 points after three quarters. Yep. That's what the, the potential of the offense for does. So Bobby Portis did get his fourth or his fifth foul in the fourth quarter pretty early. Uh, that forced him to play a little conservative defensively. So you bring up the, the offensive rebounds, the 26 offensive rebounds. I do think Bobby Portis is foul trouble. And obviously Giannis not playing played a part into that. Yeah, um, the Raptors did get the lead down to 14, but the Bucks pushed it back up to 25 before the benches got emptied. I like that. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, the Raptors, they made their little run when the Bucks had most of their starters out of the game anyways. So I wasn't really super worried that the Raptors were going to have this miraculous comeback or anything like that. Like the announcers were trying to make it seem like they were going to because they did it to the Wizards. Like mm -hmm. the Bucks and the Wizards are not the same, even without Giannis. Agreed. So the, the 26 offensive rebounds did lead to 24 second chance points for Toronto, which again... No Giannis, conservative Bobby Portis with foul trouble. 
did inflate that number. 16 points off turnovers is a little high, but the Bucks only missed one free throw. That's 41 fundamental failure points. Again, I think that's an outlier second chance point situation. Agreed. Now, here we go. Damian Lillard is the first player in Bucks history to have 35 points and 35 points assisted. That's wild, man. That is wild. <laughs> wow. Um, and people complaining about Chris Middleton's defense because we've been making posts when he's doing good things offensively. People are like, yeah, well, he still can't defend. The Raptors shot two for 10 when guarded by Chris Middleton on Wednesday. And he had two steals. I like that. Um, <laughs> through this game, the Bucks shooting 47% on corner threes. Dude, we dominate the corners now. That's I Bobby mean... and Beasley and Pat. Well, Marjan was doing good. Marjan and Jay Crowder. Good. Yeah. And, and, and. <laughs> exactly. That's how it feels. Um, Pat Connaughton stepping up for Jay Crowder um, in the Toronto game. 5 of 13 from the field. Forced four turnovers and got seven rebounds. Nice. Like that 5 that. of 13 was Toronto, by the way, not Pat. Uh, Toronto shot 5 of 13 against Pat Connaughton, another person who people are complaining about his defense. Uh, Toronto shot 38% from the field against him. Now, Damian Lillard, 37 points in 30 minutes is just nuts. Kristen yeah. Burke-Lopez also had four assists. You brought up Beasley. Campaign had 13 points off the bench. Um, and then what I want to bring up is if you follow us on Facebook or TikTok and you see our reels, you've probably seen it. But what the hell is with the NBA's inconsistency on flop calls? Man. Thanasis got two-arm two pushed by Scotty Barnes at the end of the first quarter and got called for a flop. And then in the fourth quarter, Chris Boucher literally like flips his head in the opposite direction of the way that Damian Lillard is going and then just falls on the floor in a direction that nobody moved him. And he was not called for a flop. And I want to say that Scotty Barnes is a big, strong dude. He got away with a couple offensive fouls, I think, in that game. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, he plays tough. He plays energy, so they they look right. like tough, right. kind of like Giannis. Um, but yeah, that's just what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, the the flop thing was annoying as hell. But Bucks got the win. So Bucks and Hornets. Speaking of Bucks getting wins, uh, which they did in every game this week. Uh, what's it up to you from the Bucks and the Hornets? <sighs> Just felt like the Bucks were in charge the whole game, and I know that we weren't winning. We didn't. We didn't lead, you know, coast to coast or whatever it was. Right. Um, but I just. I was never worried. Um, the poise of this team, Damian Lillard leading. Giannis was in. Giannis was back in this one. I should should have started with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Giannis was uh, was in maestro mode, dude. He was dishing out assists, sixteen points, eight rebounds, nine assists. I mean, that's just that's a terrific game. Didn't take a three pointer. He only took 10 shots, though, so that's a problem. I mean, Ooh, we need to get Giannis more shot. <sighs> just shut up. Um, just Damian Lillard. It's just annoying. I just don't understand that. Like, what, what are we doing here? We won by 31 points, dude. What are we doing? It's it's like people have to find a negative takeaway. Like, we look for positive takeaways. Like, people have to yeah. find negative takeaways. I just don't understand what, that. What mindset. benefit does that possibly present you? Um, that's a good question. Um. Damian Lillard, 27-5-5. Five and five. 
He shot 50% from the field, 50% from the three-point line. Chris Middleton got a rough game from the field, but I I feel like he got some unlucky bounces, in my opinion. Something and one very lucky bounce. True. Yeah. <laughs> Literally the best assist I've ever seen in my life. Um, Brooke Lopez shot very well. He played very well. Um, Damian Lillard this week commented on Brooke Lopez, you know, ability to protect the rim. And he's like, I've never seen anything like it. And it's like, buckle up, buddy. You have about a hundred games of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You haven't seen anything like it. <laughs> right. He hasn't. Um, I just want to bring this up real quick. Cause I'm thinking about it. That pass by Andre Jackson Jr. Dude. That was actually one of the best assists I've seen, dude. That was insane. I don't know how he saw him. I don't know why it was so accurate. I don't know why he looked so cool passing it. That was awesome. Hold sick on. I, I might have it. I might actually have it. That was a sick, sick I do. Pass. I have two because he did these back-to-back. I have two right. Andre Jackson Jr. passes. So this is the first one. Oh, this is the Mavericks. Dang it. All right, my bad. <laughs> I was going to say, Next we were game. at home for that one. Yeah. My bad. That's okay. We can watch that one again later. Um, yep. Next game. So, in terms of, of the, the assists, Bucks with 32. Fantastic number. Season Turn- high. It is. Um, and they only shot 6 of 26 from the three-point line against us. So, that's definitely a good thing. We held them under 100 points. So, you know, if everybody just wants to just keep complaining about the defense, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's – like you said, it's – whatever. I'm just – like I said, the negative takeaways, it benefits nobody in any way, shape, or form. Agreed. <clears throat> I have some wild things for you on the defense, by the way, too. <clears throat> the Bucks did have a tough three-point starting shoot, uh, tough three-point shooting start. Flip my words around there. Uh, the Hornets were up nine to end the first quarter. The Bucks were three of 13 on threes. Mm. Second quarter, a lot of one and dones for the first two minutes of the second quarter. Uh, the Bucks did start one for six, and then they went on a nine nothing run to cut Charlotte's lead down to two. Uh, Mar- uh, Malik Beasley picked up where he left off. He started four or five from the three point line, had thirteen or fourteen points in the first half. So picked up right where he left off from the Raptors game. Um, Tim said, "How about that bloop pass by Middleton to Dame?" I don't remember what game that was. It was to Malik Beasley, and it was his Hornets game. Yeah, that one I have because because <laughs> we talked about it and we called out one part of it. But I think this is the one that Tim's talking about. Oh, beautiful. Tim, Tim, watch this. I don't know if you've seen the reel of us talking about it. <laughs> that is the greatest accidental pass of all time. Look at the dude in the pink. That dude is straight up not having a good time. First of all, he's wearing hot pink, and his pants are way too tight. <laughs> you ever watch Impractical Jokers? Yes. That it looks like Joe like Stunt Double. Yes, it does. <laughs> so, you know, I was just going to say about, about his problems, dude. His pants being that tight, you know, that should probably be the first problem of his. Not his team losing to the Bucks, who are championship favorites, right? And the Hornets are kind of doo-doo. Okay, so second half, the Bucks' offense was slow for about a minute and a half, and then Lillard got going. Um, this is what he brings to the Bucks' half-court offense. 
um, including his first dunk as a buck. Love that. And I will say the third quarter of this game signaled to me the turning point of Giannis and Dame together. Mm. So at the end of the season, when we come back and we say, where did Dame and Giannis figure it out? I think it's the third quarter of this game. Um, the Bucks were all hitting threes. Uh, Malik Beasley, Damian Lillard, Pat Connaughton. The Bucks grew up 14-point lead. They hit seven straight field goals. Four of them were threes. I like it. And then Damian Lillard just absolutely eating the Hornets' zone alive. He had 18 points in the third quarter, two-thirds of his total for the game. And then the fourth quarter, the Bucks cranked up the defense. So third quarter, buckets. Fourth quarter, clamps. Mm. So <laughs> the Hornets went on a 5-0 run to start the fourth quarter. The lead got down to six. We didn't know this during the game, but over the next 10 and a half minutes, the Hornets would only score 13 more points. Say that again. <laughs> the Hornets went on a 5-0 run to start the fourth quarter. Over the next 10 and a half minutes, the Hornets would only score 13 more points. That's some bullshit. The Bucks cranked up the defense on Lamelo Ball, and it killed the Hornets offense. And the credit here goes to Chris Middleton and Bobby Portis for doubling him on the logo. It killed the Hornets offense. Wow. The Hornets only scored two points over the final four minutes and 13 seconds. And it was two free throws with five seconds left in the game. Wow. Oh my God. The Bucks missed three free throws, only allowed nine points off turnovers and eight second chance points. That's 20 fundamental failure points. That's their best mark this season. Bro. We dominated them. That makes it so much funnier that they freaking beat the Celtics. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I, I said, before, third before quarter. We move on, before we move on, I just want to say Boston fans are horrible people. Man. I'm not going to get into what was said. I'm not going to say what was said because, honest to God, it doesn't deserve to be shared. It's not something that should be shared. It's not something no, that other it people doesn't, do. It doesn't deserve the attention that they're looking for. I agree with that. Right. But if we could, like, as a country, just cut off, like, California, the entire state, like, fuck off. And then, like, like the city of Boston, just, like, <laughs> get out of here. Like, we would be much better off. I mean, if we could just somehow pick up the city of Philadelphia and ship them with Boston, yeah. we would be awesome. Yeah. I'm with that. California, Philly, Boston. I'm Yeet. great, dude. I'm I'm chilling. And you know what? Make sure that James Harden, you know, we could take some of the cool people out of California. But make sure James Harden goes with California. I'm sick and tired of his ass, dude. Yeah. <clears throat> Back to the regular scheduled program here. Yeah. The Dallas Mavericks game. Man. I'll tell you what, the Bucs scored 128, then they scored 130, and then they scored 120 or 132 on the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah, that's that wild. Is ridiculous, bro. Um, I was really <laughs> worried, um, and I just find it hilarious 
that, you know, the guy was complaining, oh, you honestly didn't get any shots. Next game, 40-15-7. Just another goddamn day at the office, dude. Just, just another thing. We're like, why? Why do we have to have something to complain about? Especially in the game the Bucks won. If the Bucks Seriously. had lost by 15 and Giannis only had 10 shots, sure. Yeah. But we won by 31. Yeah. There's, and Giannis there were... had nine assists. Right. Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> Damian Lillard, 27-3-12. and 12. Brooke Lopez had 12. Um, Bobby, 11-7. The bench scored 35 points in this one, excluding Bobby Portis. So, including Bobby Portis, they would have scored 46. The bench scored 46. Um, The thing I want to say about Giannis is um, this was his 17th 40-15-5 game since 2019. That is the most in the NBA. I and he had one of the most disgusting blocks I've ever seen in my life. You showed it to me. Do you have it? I think I do. We got to get. Do. That on the I do have it. We got to get that on the screen. That is. He got stripped on this play too. So credit to him for immediately getting back on defense. Grant Williams gets a nice strip here because he's not contesting that jump shot, so he plays the ball. And Giannis is just like, "All right, bet I'm back on defense." And that's not, that's not a nobody. That's the guy that's. Been in the dunk contest, dude. They, they, his nickname is literally Airplane Mode. That's Derek Jones Jr. The dude flies. Airplane Mode. To dude, his he, credit, he, he turned off Airplane Mode. Giannis. I'll tell you that. <laughs> he he has dunked on Giannis before. He has. But and he dunked on everybody. We've, so. we've talked about it before. If you are going to be a shot blocker, you have to be willing to be dunked on. 100%. You, you have to acknowledge that it's going to happen to you sometimes but the reverse is brooke lopez has blocked probably 10 dunks this year he hasn't been dunked on yet it's gonna happen he's gonna get dunked on by fucking anthony edwards or something yeah but he's blocked a lot of dunks already this year well you know i always go back to my man marshawn lynch and uh, one of my favorite quotes is sometimes you get got it is what it is man And, and here's the thing like I'm I'm positive that this would also be the mindset of, of a Brooke Lopez or a Giannis. Like mm-hmm. I will take being on the reverse end of a highlight one night for getting dunked on for two points to erase 20 points in the 10 dunks that I blocked as well. hundred um, percent. Before I give it to you, I've got a couple things. Yeah. Um, first of all, the Bucks shot 10 more free throws. They made 10 more free throws. So that was a good thing. Uh, we shot 52% from the field. We made 17 three-pointers. We shot 38% from the three-point line, but we held them to 34%. Um, the thing I really wanted to point out is there was another play where they, um, Giannis got a foul call, blanking on his name, played for Boston. He just got Grant. the steal in that last play. Grant Williams. Grant Williams. That is his name. So the first move, Giannis tries to bang into him. Grant Williams hammers Giannis. No foul call. The next play, Giannis throws his shoulder down, and Grant Williams gets pushed back a little bit. Then they call the foul. And people were comp- – well, and then he did, like, a little spin move and stuff. But people were complaining for the foul call. And it's like, dude, they literally missed a foul call on the first move. Like, Giannis was standing straight up, and Grant Williams, like, full out, like, shoved him. And to see Grant Williams looking at the ref and saying, that's bullshit, I'm standing my ground – that's trash to me because the first yeah. move that Giannis made, you full out fouled him. Like, no questions about it. So, people that want to complain about the refs, just don't. Okay. 
Just don't do that because the refs suck for both sides, okay? Tyler and I could go through every single game if we really wanted to, and we could probably find five plays where the refs fucked us. But we're not interested or, in that. Or, and I will say this, it does happen a lot of times, like if I'm rewatching games or something like that, where, say, the Bucks get called for a traveling violation or something like that, where it's like, yeah, he traveled. Yeah. it's The, the refs do make correct calls sometimes, too. They do do that. That is part of their job. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to point out that play because that play was annoying and people were complaining about it. It's like, really? Okay. <clears throat> now I'm going to put this on here because these two passes were awesome. First of all, look at that angle. And then this is one play later, he throws a lob up to Malik Beasley who finishes the layup. This is two Andre Jackson plays in a row. James said, this is surprising. I'm not a fan of Grant Williams. I swear I didn't know he was on the Mavs until like two weeks ago. He was on your team last year, my guy. James, I actually was going to reach out to you, man. I couldn't find you on Facebook, man. Um, Wanted to get your thoughts on the game tonight. That'd be interesting. I want to get your thoughts on your boy ducking. Your boy is ducking. Tatum is ducking, bro. Regardless of who wins tonight, the other team's season is not over. Um, regardless of who wins tonight, it's fucking November. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If the if the Bucks win, the Celtics season's not over. If the if the Celtics win, the Bucks season is not over. Um, he's arrogant with little skill. I honestly think he's the opposite. I think he's got skills, but tries to play the the ref game too much. I I like him. He's one of those guys where, like, if he's not on your team, you hate him. But if he's on your team, you love him. That's how I feel about him. He has the ego of a superstar, but he's not that guy. To a point, I see what you're saying. Honestly, my thing with Grant Williams is he has the skills to do the things that he's trying to act like he's doing. Like, I can't stand it that Grant Williams flops. He's a good defender. You don't need to flop. And he's strong, yeah. Um, and he's a good three-point shooter. He's a good guy to have alongside Kyrie and Luka. And to it's tough because Andre Jackson Jr. started for Chris Middleton in this game, and he drew Luka. That's a tough matchup. So, again, mm-hmm. people complaining about the Bucks' defense. It's going to be a work in progress, and we don't have Drew Holiday anymore. Yep. These are known facts. <clears throat> I will say... The Bucks defense was still pretty active, Pat Connaughton especially. Um, I'm just going to jump down to the second half. Dallas scored the first 13 points of the third quarter. The Bucks made their first field goal at 7.33. The Mavs, with six minutes to go in the third quarter, were up 12. Mm. Um, campaign and Pat Connaughton... Uh, scored eight points to cut the lead down to four. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie was cooking in the third quarter. He he was he had it going. He had eighteen points in the third quarter. Uh, Mavs were up nine going into the fourth quarter. Um, James said this is my difference between Marcus Smart and Grant Williams. Marcus Smart would get fouled and make sure the refs called it. Grant Williams just flopped. That's my difference for anyone who doesn't understand. Oh, Marcus Smart's the biggest flopper in the league. I don't want to hear. They're, it. they're both floppers. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, Marcus Smart is a great defender. He doesn't need to do it. Yeah, he's another guy. He's strong enough to take the damn – and I understand trying to get a call. Like, don't get me wrong. Right. Every once in a while, like, if the refs are – you know, you feel like you're not getting some calls. Like, I understand it. I do. It's human nature. But Marcus Smart is a good defender, and he is a smart player. 
Yeah. His name is fitting for him, to be honest. Yeah. James, we are also looking for a good game tonight. Yeah, it's going to be a really good one, man. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Okay. Fourth quarter, Mavs were up 11 with 10 minutes, 40 seconds to go. A.J. Green, for him to have the confidence to shoot and hit a three with a Bucks are down 10, that's that's progress for him. For him to have the confidence to take that shot and hit it, that's good for him. Um, <laughs> the Mavericks were up by 10 points with eight and a half minutes to go. <laughs> 35 seconds later, the lead was down to five. Bucks cut the lead in half in, five, in 35 seconds. Um, Damian Lillard hit a floater, cut the lead to three. Giannis cut it to two with a layup. Uh, the Bucks went on an 11-2 run. Tie game with five minutes, six seconds to go. Pat Connaughton hit a catch-high, keep-high three-pointer. And the Dallas Mavericks bench couldn't handle it. Uh, they were all, like, just in shock, which, to his credit, Damian Lillard was also in shock, like, it's a weird thing that nobody in the NBA does besides Pat Connaughton. And it's something that he's a weirdo and has been practicing now for like two and a half years. What does he say? Catch high, release high. Catch high, keep high. Oh, yeah. Keep high, that's what it is. Damn it. Yep, catch high, keep high. I got it in my notes as that. Uh, that put the Bucks up by eight. The Bucks were up two with a minute 25 to go. And then Pat Connaughton hit another three. Pat, Pat Connaughton hit a clutch contested three. And he played the entire fourth quarter. Don't talk after, about my boy. After playing the final eight minutes and 28 seconds of the third quarter, Pat Connaughton played 20 minutes and 28 seconds straight. At a high level. And was still hitting threes in crunch time. Love it. I cannot fathom the conditioning that it takes to be able to do that. It makes my knees hurt just thinking about it. The amount of work that Pat Connaughton has probably put in to be able to sustain that type of energy, 94 feet for 20 minutes of basketball straight. Man. Damn. Against Um, Kyrie and Luka. And he still dove out of bounds to save a ball. Dude, I'm telling you, he's diving in the 19th row. That's what he does. We talked about it. Right now, I would not trade Pat Connaughton for Alex Caruso. No, I don't want to talk about it anymore either. He's staying. Pat is ours. Pat is one of the main reasons that Damian Lillard is on this team. He's the one that started the group text between him, Giannis, and Damian Lillard because Damian Giannis for years were like, you come here, you come here, you come here. They'd see each other at All-Star Games. Giannis obviously drafted Damian Lillard first mm. in last year's All-Star game. That kind of planted the seed for Pat Connaughton to be like, might be time, you know? And uh, now we have Damian Lillard here. And, <laughs> you know, I know it's I know it's only November, but, man, you're really, really, really starting to see because Griffin's got a lot of stuff to learn too. But, you know, this team is learning on the fly. Giannis and Dame are uh, practicing together at Giannis's house. So, I mean, these guys are going to figure it out. And I tell you what, dude, it is going to be fucking terrifying when they do. Like I said, I'm going to point to that third quarter against the Hornets because Giannis did not miss a shot in the fourth quarter against the Mavericks. Dude. The Bucks dropped 43 in the fourth quarter. Jesus. Dude, we're so good. I love this team. We're so good. (laughs) And listen, listen, 15 second chance points for Dallas. It's a little high. Not crazy. Six points off turnovers. Three Love missed that. free throws, 24 fundamental failure points. Love that. Back-to-back nights of outstanding yes. fundamental failures. 
Love the Bucks it. allowed 11 offensive rebounds for 15 second chance points. It's a little high, but I won't complain. The Bucks only had seven turnovers. I fucking love that. Seven turnovers? Yeah, that's wild. Actually. Two weeks ago, they had seven turnovers in the first quarter against Toronto. Yep. So, I will say nine of Dallas's 15 second chance points came in the first quarter, so the Bucks did clamp it down for the rest of the game. Like it. Uh, Damian Lillard, that's his second double-double in the last three games. He had 27 points and 12 assists, only one turnover. Oh, nicely done. I have it written down. Nicely done. I And I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this to shade Drew. But we had a lot of games last season where Drew had eight or nine turnovers in a game. Too then, many, in my opinion. And then Giannis would have, you know, five or six, a lot of them offensive fouls. But right. that's a lot of foul. That's a lot of turnovers, man. Right. So Damian Lillard is also going to present a benefit in that aspect as well. Mm-hmm. 12 assists and one turnover. Are you kidding me? And then he's hitting bombs, dude. <laughs> um, and then Pat Connaughton, his best game of the season. 16 points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals. I mean, good defense played. And like I said, Brit played the final 20 minutes, 28 seconds. He was a plus 22. Here, here's the other thing about Pat Connaughton. His three rebounds, two of them are offensive. Yeah. And then Giannis, speaking of rebounds, also hit 7,000 career rebounds in this game. He did. He and the last thing I want to say is overall, respect to the Dallas Mavericks. This was a great basketball game between two good teams. The Bucks yeah. were on a four-game win streak, and Dallas started their season 8-2. and two. This was just a good basketball game. It was. It was good for the NBA. This yeah. one definitely should have been on national television. In my yeah. Opinion. Yeah. So respect to Dallas and former coach kid. Um, they yeah they have the respect for this game. Kyrie was cooking in the fourth a little bit. It was fun. Yeah. All right. Bucks and Wizards. What stood out to you from Monday? Going to be a good one tonight, though. Yeah, it is, Steve. We're going to talk about it in a sec. Yeah. I just want to say yeah. one thing about the Wizards. The Wizards got to be the most targeted team in the trade deadline. They have a lot of like pieces on that team. For like teams that are like missing a certain thing, in my opinion, like Kessler, he could be a good guy off the bench, could shoot Kispert. a little bit. Kispert. Yeah, whatever his name is, white guy. Um, on Utah. Yeah, you're right. Um, I would love, absolutely love Daniel Gafford. I think he would be a tremendous backup big. Just to get him off the Wizards, so he can stop being good against us. Dude, <laughs> and he runs, he rebounds, he blocks shots. He For plays an undersized. He yeah, he does a lot. Can you imagine? Him and Giannis together on the floor, the fast break opportunities we'd have. Damn. Jesus Christ. I was Appreciate thinking that the whole Steve. night. Hey, Steve. Steve, you learned. You learned. You don't mess with my boy. <laughs> this white KD over here, bruh. Yeah. That's <laughs> Jake's Jake's saying that, but that was a thing that people actually called me for a while. Hey, that's real. That's real. White KD right here. Um <laughs> I'm just going to say real quick because we're getting close to the pregame show for the Bucks here. Yep. Um, 22, 5, and 7 from Dame. He didn't have the best shooting game, 5, 14. Didn't really, really matter because Giannis Adetokounmpo missed three fucking shots, dude. 42, 13, and 8. Are you shitting me? Like, are you actually shitting me right now? Like, we're in the same week where Damian Lillard had 37 and 13, and now Giannis has back to back 40 bombs. Like, dude. 
Pray to God, pray to Allah. I don't give a shit who you pray to. You ain't stopping these two at the same time. It's hilarious, and I bet this post was deleted where it's like, oh, Giannis only took 10 shots, and then he responds with back-to-back 40-point games. <laughs> Bro, he's so good. He just came out right away from the tip, and he was just like, yeah, I'm going at these boys. The Bucks scored 70 points in the first half. That tied their season high. Yep. Um, Washington had 65 in the first half. Giannis already had 20 in the first half. Um, <clears throat> so going into the second half, uh, Chris Middleton passed Sidney Moncrief. He did. Giannis Antetokounmpo absolutely babied Kyle Kuzma the whole game. He babied did. him. I have okay. the head-to-head stats, and I will reveal them at the end of the game. Um, Bobby Portis, so a couple quick scores. Got the Bucks lead up to 10 in the second half. Uh, Washington did cut the lead back down to four. Um, actually down to two. And then, I said it before, stop trying to dunk on Brooke Lopez. Yeah. So far this season, it can't be done. It's fair. Um, Damian Lillard did miss a couple free throws. The Wizards made three straight threes. The lead was down to one. Um, and then they made a fourth straight three, tied the game at 100 in the third quarter. The Bucks were up two going into the fourth. And then a slow start by the Bucks in the fourth quarter. And Washington took a 108-107 lead. And then we got to a situation... <clears throat> Steve, if you're still watching, I'm sorry, this is going to sound mean, but like the Lions got into a situation with the Bears where they're like, okay, this this is the Bears and we're the Lions. It's time to stop messing around and we're going to go in because we're the better team. That's what happened to the Bucks and the Wizards. The Bucks got down one and then it's like, all right, yeah, it's time to shut this down. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Bucks went on a 12-2 run after the Wizards took a one-point lead. The Bucks pushed the lead as far as 13 points. The Bucks went 35-21 to 21 after the Wizards took a one-point lead. Yep. Um, I remember it, it being 5.55 in the fourth quarter. Giannis and Dame were coming off the bench, and I texted you. And I said it. I said it before they said it on TV. I am sticking to it. I will die on this hill. I said, it's night-night time for the Wizards. <laughs> Night, night. We're bringing in the dogs now. It's over. Night, night time lasted from 555 to 119. At that point, we just went on a four minute rampage, dude. It was, yeah, that was pretty wild. Um, And again, like I mentioned this before when we were talking about like the Raptors game and some of the other games, stop talking to Malik Beasley when he's shooting a corner three in front of you. Seriously, what what is Stop doing it. He's going to cash it and he's going to turn around and he's going to let you know. That he just cashed a three while you were talking shit to him. Actually, you know what? Keep doing it because it's yeah. good for us. It works. Yeah, it works. It works for us. Also, you <laughs> might end up on Sports Center. You know, so you Touché. got that. So just keep doing it. I like it. Touche. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Bucks won every quarter except for the third, but they lost by three. Uh, the Bucks had fantastic efficiency: fifty-eight point five percent of field goals. 37.9% on threes, 75% of the free throw line. Uh, the Bucks, their last four games, 33, 29, 32, 25 assists. 29.8 assists over their last four games. I just bumped up the 30 because it sounded cooler. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> last thing. Actually, I'm going to do the fundamental failures and then I'll save this last thing because I want to end on it. Bucks missed seven free throws. They gave up 18 points off turnovers, which is a little high. Uh, nine second chance points, 34 fundamental failure points. That's good. Could be better, but good. Can live with that. Now, you ready for this? I'm so ready. Giannis Antetokounmpo 
guarded by Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> this this exchange occurred five minutes and forty three seconds during this game. Uh oh. Oh no. Giannis was seven for eight, scored fourteen points on it, Kyle Kuzma. No way. <laughs> Bro, Kuzma, he shot a three and he made it, so he started feeling himself. And Giannis immediately implanted his shoulder in his chest and was like, listen, little dog. <laughs> Literally a third of Giannis's points came while he was guarded by Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> Five minutes. Wow, dude. <laughs> oh, seven of eight. Seven of eight. I want to say I'm shocked, but I'm not. I mean, that's just that's Giannis, bro. And I'm not trying to Man. like... I just appreciate it, man. Like we got Giannis on our team, dude. That was that was that was incredible. Man. <clears throat> All right. That said, the Bucks they play tonight. Obviously, they play in Boston, who did lose to Charlotte in overtime on Monday. Yep. Um, and then they play the Wizards again on Friday at home. Yep. They play Portland on Sunday. Dame gets to play against his former team. And yep. then they play at Miami on Tuesday. What do you got for a record prediction for the week? Before I saw the Tatum news, I was like, I could see Boston winning this game. Like, I'm just being completely honest. I yeah. still could see it. I still could it's see good. it. Yep. Boston's a good team. Right. There is there is three teams at the top. It is Denver, it is Milwaukee, and it is Boston. And then yep. there's a large group of teams right underneath that. My, yep. That's my opinion. Yep. Um, Boston is a very good team. So I was gonna say three and one, but I am gonna go with a four and zero. Oh. I do think that Portland is playing horrible. Scoot Henderson has to just got sent down to the G League. So if you're if you're you know going to a herd game and the Trailblazers affiliate is coming, you might get to see Scoot Henderson. Yeah. So that'd be in the cool. reverse. Um, Wisconsin herd player Ibu Baji, a guy that I'm a fan of, he actually just got signed to the Trailblazers. Yeah, he's a good. So player. he's going to the NBA. Um, so good for him. And then uh, playing playing Miami, that's a tough one in my opinion. But the Bucks got to be ready. They got to have that mentality, and I think they're going to be ready for Miami, who ended their season last year. So yep. that one, every single Miami Heat game should be circled on every Bucks players. Miami game. started one and five, and then they run like five straight. Yeah, and then they they blew that big lead to the the Bulls the other day, and then they yeah, beat the Bulls. Weird. The NBA yeah. is a little drunk right now. It is. But- I was gonna say three and one as well, but the way the Bucks are playing right now, like just the way that this team is scoring the ball, I'm saying yeah. four and zero. I Until agree. I see the Bucks kind of come down, like I'm, I'm, I don't see this team losing in the near future. Agreed. Like obviously, I'm not saying the Bucks are only gonna lose five games for the entire season. Like that would be insane. But right now, for for today through next Wednesday, I'm saying four and zero. I'm with it. All right. <clears throat> no, no Packers show this Friday. We're taking the weekend off for Thanksgiving. Um, so after the Lions game, we're gonna have to wait a whole another week. Uh, we're gonna uh, recap that game next week. So hopefully it's a, a win, and we can kind of just bask in the glow, and then uh, we'll preview that game next Friday. Other than that, Jake and I will be back on Monday. We're gonna have an interview with AJ Bocchini on Monday afternoon, and yep. then we'll be back on next Wednesday to talk Badgers and Bucks again. Hopefully, with a whole bunch of more W's again, so we can have another show that's fun like this one. Not that yeah. they're not all fun, but we got to so, be a little more serious after losses. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
before we head out, I just want to say everybody drive safe. Okay. There's going to be a lot of people on the roads. Everybody drive safe. Enjoy your families. This is what it's about. It's not about, you know, it's, it's not about sports. I mean, we love sports. We're going to be watching all of them, but yep. enjoy time with your families, man. Uh, we got some terrible news at my job that I'm not going to talk about because it just happens too soon, but um, enjoy your families because you never know. Um, be thankful for what you got, you know, and just have some gratitude in life. And uh, on Wisconsin, Bucks and Six, go Pack Go. But uh, we love you all. We appreciate you all for showing up, commenting on the show. Honestly, this is a dream come true for me. Um, only up from here, baby. Tyler, you have a great Thanksgiving as well, my man. All right. See you soon. Later.